I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Robert Egan, partner and chair of New Jersey based law firm Archer and Griner's Data Privacy and Cybersecurity Group about cyber crime and cyber attack trends involving the COVID 19 pandemic. So, Robert, for starters, what kinds of COVID 19 themed cyber threats? should healthcare sector entities be most worried about right now? And what do you predict about how these threats might evolve? It's a good question these days, obviously, as I'm uh, talking here from home where we're all working. So I think that the threats that are currently facing the healthcare sector in particular can be broadly placed into a few categories. I mean, I think the first is that scammers are attempting to exploit the lack of available personal protective equipment by targeting healthcare providers with fake or inadequate products. In fact, the FBI has put out an advisory alert on it, which indicates that because the demand for PPE and certain medical equipment far outstrips supply, it's ripe for bad actors perpetrating advanced fee and business email compromise schemes. So one scheme involves the threat actor offering thousands of masks or other protective equipment using fraudulent credentials and demanding upfront or down payment given the size of the order, and the order never comes. Other bad guys in this space might provide faulty products that fall apart upon first uh, use. And I think then the second category involves an increase in phishing emails and other schemes, usually under the guise of COVID-19 related health information. So they try to trick healthcare employees into downloading malware or sending wire transfers to the cyber criminals. And the New York Attorney General has put out an alert indicating that healthcare workers may see advanced phishing attempts of a number of different types. And Robert, government authorities have also warned about cyber attacks on institutions involved in COVID-19 research, including possible schemes to steal intellectual property related to vaccines and treatments. Any particular steps that healthcare sector entities need to be better prepared to take in order to defend against these sorts of threats and detect them before they fall victim? Yeah, a lot of those warnings warn about sort of advanced phishing attempts and more phishing attempts. So the steps that those folks ought to take are similar to the steps that everybody ought to take for defending against phishing attempts. And the FBI suggests things like basically being wise, be wary of unsolicited attachments, from, even from people you know. And what's happening is cyber actors are spoofing the return address so it makes it look like the message came from somebody you know, a trusted person. Basically, if an email or an email attachment seems suspicious, just don't open it. And that's true even if your antivirus software indicates that the message is clean. And that's because the cyber criminals are always releasing new viruses and the antivirus software might not have that signature. You got to keep your software up to date, install software patches so that the bad guys can't take advantage of known problems or vulnerabilities. Just to a couple other things is you can turn off the option to automatically download attachments if you haven't and just apply additional security practices. Make sure that you're filtering certain types of attachments through the email software or firewall. And then with people working remotely, there are some additional vulnerabilities from the technical side that should be addressed as well. So, Robert, what about potential COVID-19 financial fraud involving online transactions and payment systems? 
You mentioned the PPE sorts of scams. What other sorts of scams are you worried about? And what should healthcare entities and related sorts of organizations be on the lookout for? These are kind of just the specific application of financial fraud to a particular industry. And and as the authorities have warned, the healthcare industries are are particularly vulnerable these days because of the, the COVID situation. So one thing you should do is work with your bank to make sure that you have up-to-date fraud protections. The banks will advise you and provide certain techniques, automated techniques to guard against things like imposter fraud. Vendor imposter fraud is kind of common, relatively speaking. And what happens then is the fraudster poses as the vendor or supplier or other business or trading partner, contacts you through email, fax, phone, maybe mail, and they pretend to be somebody that you know. They'll ask you to change your bank account information because, you know, for example, they'll say they need to receive payments to this new account, often coming up with some COVID-related reason in order to do that. And the people who are working for various entities involved in the healthcare industry, whether they be providers or insurers or whatever, they're kind of you know, on edge. They believe that, well, something has to be done. We need to get these payments going. We need this equipment, et cetera, et cetera. So they'll accommodate these requests. In fact, there are some cases where the cyber criminals have gone so far as to send what looks like a legitimate invoice in order to, you know, further enhance the reliability of the story that they're telling in order to fool people into making payments to a, a fraudulent account. And these are kind of species of wire fraud schemes and check fraud schemes that are out there every day. It's just these days, in my experience, the the healthcare industry is a bigger and more visible target with people who are seemingly more anxious to make sure they're not getting in the way of of a needed transaction where somebody may need medicines or tests or protective equipment or things of that nature. So now, Robert, what about contact tracing apps and other smartphone types apps tied to COVID-19 situations? What are the emerging security and privacy worries that you have about these contact tracing technologies? Well, we always know that the bad guys out there tend to have absolutely no morals or scruples, and they're always thinking as to how they can get ahead of the good guys. And this is a perfect example of that, sadly, which, of course, is probably why we have the cybersecurity concerns in the first place anywhere. So contact tracing is being done kind of two ways. One is through the mobile apps that are being developed, and any any mobile app using any device can be hacked in any way. But what's also happening is that state health departments have been ramping up manual programs that are staffed by trained volunteers. So these are schemes that they're trying to get people to provide their personal information or trying to get them to open up a malicious link in a text in in this case. So the idea of contact tracing is to trace people who have been in contact with somebody who has tested positive for COVID-19 and then have a way to tell those who may have been exposed to quarantine strictly at home or monitor for possible coronavirus symptoms. So for this to work, the contact tracers need to get in touch with a whole lot of potentially impacted people. And here's where the vulnerability is coming in, or a new vulnerability. Many states are sending text alerts to call 
contact tracing hotline. So now, we know that scammers are pretty adept at blasting out misleading text messages. So the, these contact tracing communications from state workers have become a sort of good way for bad guys to co-op for fraud. So the FTC put out an alert on this and indicating, again, that they're sending, that the bad guys are sending the text messages that I mentioned. There are spam text messages that ask you to click a link, and those links will include something that will get you to download malware onto your device or take you to a phishing page that tricks you into inputting personal data or passwords. So this is particularly uh, vulnerable because most successful scams put a user in a state of confusion by introducing something new and compel the user to act. And these days, with the anxieties about COVID, people are pretty vulnerable. And so now, Robert, what about biometric technologies to identify individuals, including for some COVID-19 contact tracing apps, but overall, biometric technologies to identify individuals. What are your privacy and potential security concerns about biometric technologies? Well, you know, I think it's a combination of all the vulnerabilities that we all have to cyber attack, whether it be through phishing scams and social engineering, whether it be through vulnerabilities in technology and and the added vulnerability because people, a lot more people are working remotely. There are things that need to be done generally that might apply to anybody that might have some biometric data stored on their servers or, or that they control it. You need to update VPNs that are being used to remote in the work environments. You got to make sure you have the latest software patches, security configurations. You have to train your employees to an expected increase in these phishing attempts and let them know of the kind of species of those attempts that in this, the specific application, some of which I've spoken about in our discussion here today. I think people should implement multi-factor authentication on every VPN connection in order to increase security so that there, there's two steps at least that need to be navigated in order to get into a system. If there's any incident, we really need to contact the particular authorities, and again, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, C-I-S-A, is one to contact. And by the way, its website has a whole lot of helpful information on it about a lot of these particular uh, subjects that we're discussing here. There are some other vulnerabilities, and while I mention it, the AMA has a website that deals with these types of issues on work from home, on, on physicians, small practices as the things that can be done in order to protect against these sorts of cyber attacks. Thanks, Robert. I've been speaking to attorney Robert Egan. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.